We tend to avoid trouble, but today's verses have Paul traveling directly toward it. And we learn how he wraps up his third journey and heads to Jerusalem today. Welcome, I'm Michelle Berkey, and this is Praying Scripture, a weekday broadcast where we use God's own words to honor him and to talk to him about the things going on in our life and in our world. We're going to dive into episode 121 today and pray together through Acts chapter 20. We're nearing the end of Acts. But before we do that, we're going to open with a bit of worship. Today we're worshiping out of Acts 20, 21, which says, I testified to both Jews and Greeks about repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus. This is Paul speaking. We'll hear that verse later today, but we're just going to pull one thing out of it this morning and worship before we begin. So join with me. Father, I just want to honor you before we get started today. I want to recognize that it's through Jesus' sacrifice that we're able to be here, that I can come and talk to you and lay these things directly at your feet because of Jesus' sacrifice making that relationship possible. And from this verse, I just want to honor him today as my Lord Jesus. Paul preached repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus. I confirm and affirm and recognize that you are not just my friend, not just my Savior, but you are my Lord. And I will treat my life through the lens of your Lordship. I honor you for that today. I ask as we go forward into this time that you would give me the words that I need to speak, that you would bring the just the right message through these words today, Spirit, that you would open up the Word of God and teach us this morning, as well as let this be an offering to you, both of our time and our attention and in the words that we're speaking today. Guide us to look more and more like Jesus every day. Amen. All right, Acts chapter 20, y'all, which is after the riot at Ephesus. For those of you who had a long weekend and forgot that's where we were on Friday or weren't here on Friday, we had a riot that occurred in Ephesus. And this is the aftermath. So the very first verse in the chapter talks about an uproar. That was the uproar. And Paul had decided to return to Jerusalem before that riot happened. And this chapter is part of the account of that journey. One of the main reasons for this whole trip was to collect funds and support from the Macedonian and Greek churches for the needy in Jerusalem. So he was going to take those back to Jerusalem. And in the first part of this chapter, he lists a whole bunch of names. Now, the important part of all those names is that it was people from all over the churches that he visited, and they joined with him probably to travel with him to verify his and and testify to his integrity as he collected and dispersed of those funds. One more thing to explain is that Paul had learned in his time at Ephesus of a conflict in the church at Corinth, and he had written them 1 Corinthians, what we know as 1 Corinthians. He had also written them a second 
letter that was lost to history that was harsh, or he felt like it was really harsh. And he even visited once of those times and and refers to that visit as painful. Uh, And at this point, he had sent Titus on to Corinth to see if he would be received well, to know that if he should actually go. What he And then he was hoping to hear from him on his way during this process today. And right in the beginning, we hear that he was headed there. He went and stayed probably the winter when travel was difficult at Corinth because they had repented and he then wrote Second Corinthians. So in this small in-between that we get for a few verses, um, all that happened. We're going to dive in, but I'm going to save most of the prayer until the end of the chapter because we hear him address the elders from the Ephesian church. Usually, the, the speeches that we have from Paul in Acts were directed towards unbelievers, towards non-Christians, whether they were Jew or Greek. But this speech is towards Christians, and it sounds a lot more like one of his letters. So I'm going to read, pray through the first part of this, but those will be shorter and we'll get to the end and we'll kind of we'll camp there for a few minutes. So here we go. Paul in Macedonia. After the uproar was over, Paul sent for the disciples, encouraged them, and after saying farewell, he departed to go to Macedonia. And when he had passed through those areas and offered them many words of encouragement, he came to Greece and stayed three months. The Jews plotted against him when he was about to set sail for Syria, and so he decided to go back through Macedonia. He was accompanied by Sopater, son of Pyrrhus from Berea, Aristarchus and Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derby, Timothy and Tychicus and Trophimus from the province of Asia. These men went on ahead and waited for us in Troas, but we sailed away from Philippi after the festival of the unleavened bread. In five days, we reached them at Troas, where we spent seven days. All right, let's just stop for a moment. Father, one of the things that I notice from these first paragraphs, aside from all of the crazy names, is that, not crazy, just unfamiliar, is that Paul spent so much of his time encouraging. He was encouraging people along the way. He sent for the disciples and encouraged them, then said goodbye and encouraged all the people throughout on his, on his travels through Macedonia. And I ask that as we journey through our own lives, that we would be aware of that ability to encourage others and how important that is. It's a much bigger deal than just saying something nice. And I pray that you would teach us how to be encouragers, that we would model that after Paul in our lives. All right, so the chapter goes on to say, On the first day of the week, we assembled to break bread. Oh, word of note here, this is the first time in Acts we hear of the church gathering on Sunday for worship. So that's kind of interesting, just a trivia for you. On the first day of the week, we assembled to break bread. Paul spoke to them, and since he was about to depart the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. There were many lamps in the room upstairs where we were assembled, and a young man named Eutychus was sitting on a windowsill, sank into a deep sleep as Paul kept on talking. When he was overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story, and he was picked up dead. But Paul went down, bent over him, embraced him, and said, "'Don't be alarmed, because he's alive.'" After going upstairs, breaking the bread and eating, Paul talked for a long time until dawn, and then he left. They brought the boy home alive and were greatly comforted. Can I just say, if you think church sermons go long sometimes, (laughs) this is really long, right? Um, So long that it was through the night and then 
until dawn. He talked, he talked all the ne- all the day and through the night. It's no wonder Eutychus was tired. And there was probably, and, and with all the lamps going on, it was warm. There were people there and he fell asleep, fell down and dead. Okay, so let's pray. Now I'm just talking. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, one of the things that I find beautiful about this story is not only its humanness, that's one thing. I so love that you recognize our humanness. But the second thing is that when the boy fell and died, he went to the boy, leaned over him, embraced him, and said, he's not dead. Celebrate. Don't worry. He's not dead. He's not dead now because, because <laughs> Father, you brought him back to life. But I love that he went there and he embraced him and brought him back to life. And I just see that as such a beautiful picture of what, Jesus, you did for us. You found us dead in our sins and you embraced us in that place when each of us was um, not only dead but against you. You embraced us and brought us back to the living, brought back to the family. I just love that. Help us to constantly remember that you went out of your way to come find us and embrace us and lead us back into your family and help us respond with gratitude and a life devoted to serving you. All right, let's go on. We have a little bit of a travel and then we get to the final <laughs> the final part of the chapter. We went on ahead to the ship, sailed for Assos, where we were going to take Paul on board because these were his instructions, since he himself was going by land. When he met us at Assos, we took him on board and went to Mytilene. Sailing from there, the next day we arrived off Chios. The following day we crossed over to Samos, and the day after we came to Miletus. For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus to avoid spending time in the province of Asia, because he was hurrying to be in Jerusalem, if possible, for the day of Pentecost. Let's pray. Father, Sometimes, though we know that we could go one way that would be edifying to other people, had he traveled the other way and spent time in Ephesus, he would have encouraged people and it would have been good for them. But he knew that you had directed him to get to Jerusalem, that he was as I think the I think it comes in the next part, but he was compelled by the Holy Spirit to get there. And I just ask for discernment. When it would seem logical and enjoyable to go one way, but Spirit compels us or tells us to do another thing, I pray that we would have the obedience and discernment that Paul had to go the way that you tell us, when the other way would be just fine or be helpful for other people, but not what you have chosen. Help us to sort that out in our life. Give us discerning ears and listening ears and and a heart that wants to follow your way, not the way that would be easy and convenient. All right, let's go on. The chapter winds up here by a farewell address to the Ephesian elders. Now from Miletus, he sailed to Ephesus and summoned the elders of the church. When they came to them, he said to them, You know, from the first day I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility, with tears, and during the trials that came to me through the plots of the Jews. You know that I did not avoid proclaiming to you anything that was profitable from teaching you publicly and from house to house. I testified to both Jews and Greeks about repentance toward God and our faith in our Lord Jesus. And now I am on my way to Jerusalem, compelled by the Spirit, not knowing what I will encounter there, except that in every town the Holy Spirit warns me that chains and afflictions are waiting for me. 
but I consider my life of no value to myself. My purpose is to finish my course and the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of God's grace. And now I know that none of you, among whom I went about preaching the kingdom, will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you this day, I am innocent of the blood of all of you, because I did not avoid declaring to you the whole plan of God. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Men will rise up even from your own number and distort the truth to lure the disciples into following them. Therefore, be on the alert remembering that night and day for three years I never stopped warning each of you with tears. And now I commit you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that I worked with my own hands to support myself and those who are with me. In every way, I have shown you that it is necessary to help the weak by laboring like this and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus because he said it is more blessed to give than receive. After he said this, he knelt down and prayed with all of them. There were many tears shed by everyone. They embraced Paul and kissed him, grieving most over his statement that they would never see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. All right, that was a long section without prayer, but I wanted you to kind of get the feel of of the whole overall address. This is Paul speaking to people he had lived and served with very closely for several years. This was a farewell address in a very intimate setting. Can you imagine how beautiful and impactful that prayer was as he knelt down and prayed before he left? And what it would feel like for them to be told, you will never see me again because I'm heading into chains and affliction remembering that he's going as quickly as possible. All right, so let's pray through that. There's a lot I want to touch on, so let's let's jump into that. Father Paul says he served the Lord with all humility, with tears, and through trials never stopped proclaiming anything that was helpful for the people. Never stopped teaching them about repentance and faith in Christ. Father, I pray that as we go throughout our life, that that will be able to be said of us, that we will be able to say that we served you with all humility, humility, with tears, during trials, never stopping, never stopping what you have given us as our as our mission on earth. And then he was on his way to Jerusalem, compelled by the Spirit. Father, when your Spirit compels us, I pray that we would be obedient no matter what is easy or pleasant, but we would be obedient. And that like Paul, we would consider our life of no value to ourselves, but in order to finish our purpose for the calling and the ministry that you have given us on earth. In other words, what I want is less important than what Jesus wants. What would make me comfortable or happy or safe is not important compared to what Jesus wants me to do. Help us live like that. That is not easy. Paul's trip, his, his life <laughs> when he was called by Jesus was not easy, but it was worthwhile, he says. And so help us to live the way Paul lived. He never stopped declaring the whole plan of God. Father, let us never leave things out that are inconvenient for others to hear. 
and help us and our leadership be on guard to watch over the people that we are responsible for, spiritually responsible for. Let us never lose track that savage wolves will come in and try to take people away from us, that men will rise up even within the church, distort the truth to lure disciples into following them. Help us to know when that's happening. Help us to have the discernment to recognize when it is not the whole truth, even if they are highly respected within the body of Christ. Let us always be coming back to you to ask you and to compare words from people to the word of God. Let us also be committed to you and your word of grace, which is able to build us up and give us an inheritance among your people. Father, let us rely, feed on, uh, learn from, be disciplined by your word. Help us to not, as Paul said, he did not covet anyone's silver or gold or clothing. Let us not be looking at that and considering that valuable in our world, but spiritual matters being more valuable. Paul said that in every way he had shown them what is necessary to help the weak by laboring like this and to remember the words of Jesus. Father, this is not something that we stress in our churches today, but we should In every way, he has shown us that it is necessary to help the weak. Let our heart, let our service, let our actions, let all that we do in public and in private help the weak. Your heart is for the weak, for the hurting, for those unable to care for themselves, for those who are castaways from society. Let our heart follow yours and let our actions and words, um, I lost how I was going to say that, let our actions and words be evidence of that, of our heart direction following you. And give us those sweet times of prayer and community as Paul experienced with these elders that evening. Help us understand community and find it so valuable and be walking with people day in and day out so that we have those, um, that we experience what that community is like as Paul and the Ephesian elders did. Thank you so much for your words today, for this example of Paul as a leader and a reminder of how he lived his life. And let us model ours after that. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, y'all, that is it. We got through that one. That's a long one. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you're watching on the Grace and the Gravel Road Facebook page and you found this helpful, we'll be back again on Wednesday doing this again through Acts chapter 21. Share this with a friend if you are a podcast listener and subscribe to the show. That will help the algorithm know that it's important and will allow more people to join their voices with us in prayer. Praying Scripture is brought to you by Grace in the Gravel Road, helping Christian women grow a God-first life and business. And my heart is that as we do this, as we pray together a couple of times a week, that we will all grow in our prayer lives, that we'll see God move through the answers to these prayers. But most of all, I pray that you will fall deeper in love with the God who gave us these words that we are praying through. Amen. Amen. 